following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Well, church, uh, good morning. For those who don't know me, uh, my name is Anoj. Um, and I have the, the privilege um, of sharing from God's Word with you this morning from the, the passage that um, Lexi's group looked at. Um, if you're new or you're tuning in for the first time or you're here for the first time, we're, we're journeying through a series entitled Love Came Down. Um, and it's really a, it's our Advent series. We're in week three um, of four. And we've looked at a couple of different responses that people had to the, the coming of Christ. We've looked at um, Anna and Simeon um, and how they waited patiently and faithfully. Uh, we looked at the Magi last week and how they worshipped. And this, this week we're looking at the, the word, the, our focus word is wonder or awe and amazement. Um, and we're looking at, as you can guess, the uh, story of the shepherds. Now this, in, this morning I want to um, speak about, or well, start by speaking about a, a common tune that you might hear in the shopping centres. Um, and the first line goes, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And a lot of us can probably finish the song and keep singing it. Um, it goes on to say, with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you to be of good cheer, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I want us to start this morning by thinking, what is it that makes Christmas the most wonderful time of the year? Is it the gifts, like we, we talked about this morning in the kids' talk that Paul alluded to? Is it the gifts sometimes that we look forward to? Or the family meals, um, or the, the two weeks off work, we just sit, yeah, look, everyone's excited for that. What is it that makes Christmas, the Christmas time, the most wonderful time of the year? And this morning, I want you to turn with your Bibles, uh, if you have them physically or on your phones, to Luke chapter 2, where we're considering what ought to cause a sense of wonder and excitement and joy in this season. So we're reading from chapter 2, we're looking verses 8 through to 20, Um, it will be on your screen, I'm reading from the NIV version. This is what the word of the Lord says, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So this morning we're looking at the story of the shepherds and we're considering what is it that causes joy and wonder and amazement. In our story, you would have seen that the shepherds went, they saw Mary and Joseph, they went and told people and everyone was filled with amazement and awe 
and wonder. What was it though that caused that? What, why was it that the shepherds and the people who heard their testimonies responded with such joy and wonder? And by extension, how too can we respond in a similar way ourselves? So we're going to look at three things this morning that I believe in our passage we find reasons to, to stir that wonder and, and joy and that awe. The first thing we're looking at is the promised Messiah. What did the angels reveal in their announcement about um, this baby and how he is the promised Messiah? Number two, we're looking at the Messiah we need. Why should we care about this announcement, particularly today, more than 2,000 years later? And finally, we're looking at the wonderful invitation. How do we respond to this? So we're looking at the promised Messiah, the Messiah we need, and the wonderful invitation. Let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll get straight into it. Father, we thank you uh, for Christmas. We thank you that it is the most wonderful time of the year. And we thank you that you've given us such reason for joy and wonder and awe. And Lord, we pray that as we unpack this, this story and this announcement from the angels of the birth of the Messiah, that you would help us to feel and experience a sense of wonder and awe in our own hearts. Guard my words as well this morning as I speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're looking at this morning is the promised Messiah. We're looking at this revelation that the angels make about this baby. Listen to what it says in verse 11. The angels say, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now on the surface, this verse might seem somewhat of a straightforward verse. Maybe you've been in church, you've heard the announcement many, many times. But it's actually um, an announcement that's, that's packed um, with, with content that would have stirred um, the, and excited the hearers at that time. Let's understand the context again for a moment in which this announcement comes. The, the word Messiah, it means the, the anointed one or the promised one. Um, and at various points in the Old Testament, we see God um, promising or making allusions through his word to this coming of a future Messiah, one from the line of David. And the Jewish people, they, they believed in this future Messiah. They believed that there was this one to come that was promised from long ago. This anointed rule that would bring an end to the corrupt world as it was. What exactly that looked like, that was much debated. Some people expected a warrior king to come and fight and, and, and defeat the, the Romans with a sword. Others maybe expected um, a politician of sorts to be part of the ruling class. But whichever sort of uh, place they found themselves in, most people at that time, the Jewish people particularly, were looking forward to this coming Messiah. And yet, what was difficult at that time particularly was that there had been about 400 years of silence. We've alluded to that earlier in our series as well. 400 years of silence, or sometimes known as the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 400 years with no prophets, no one coming and declaring the word of the Lord. And yet in that time, Israel had undergone um, changes in, in, in ruling governments. They'd gone from being under the, the Persian Empire to being taken over by the Greeks. And now they were under the Romans who were brutal. They were rough. They, they ran a very, very tight ship. And so many people in Israel at that time felt a sense of despondency. They were a conquered and oppressed people. And they felt like the only way out was this promised Messiah that was to come. All other hope seemed futile. And it was into that context, the 400 years of silence, into this, this space where they felt the need for saving, that this announcement then comes. Not only that, but the, the announcement is accompanied with, um, with, a, with a, an allusion back to an Old Testament prophecy where it says that this Messiah will come from the town of David or Bethlehem. 
And if you cap it all off, as we saw in our skit, it was accompanied by a host of angels singing and declaring praises to God. And what was the response of the shepherds and the people who heard the shepherds' testimony? They were filled with an excitement and awe and wonder because this promised one, the one they had long awaited for, was now here. I wonder if you can remember back to, to maybe when we were younger. Some of us, that's um, fairly recently. Sometimes some of us, it's a bit long, longer ago. But remember that time when you were young and you were excited for Christmas Day, right? Christmas Day was coming. You knew there were presents under the tree. You knew it was going to be a great time. But imagine for a moment that you, you didn't have a calendar. You didn't have a mobile phone or a watch that told you what date it was. And the only way you knew it'd be Christmas Day was for your parents to come into your room and say, it is Christmas Day. Imagine that sense, you'd be excited, like, oh, maybe it's coming, maybe it's coming. But when your parents walk into your room that day, imagine the excitement and, and joy you would feel knowing that Christmas Day is finally here. The thing that you were waiting for was finally here. It's sort of like that, that eager anticipation had now come to fruition. The angel had come and declared that the day is now here. The Messiah has been born in the town of Bethlehem. The one you've been waiting for was here. And that's our first reason for joy and wonder is that there was uh, the Messiah, the promised Messiah had come and he, had, and he was born and he was laying in a manger in Bethlehem. Now that's all well and good, but you might be saying to yourself, well, what relevance does that have to us today? I mean, we're not living under Roman rule anymore. We, we don't necessarily feel that sense of oppression. That needs. Why, why should I care? That brings us to our second point this morning, the Messiah that we need. See, what follows this amazing announcement is something that I thought was really quite interesting. Here's the angel saying, he's the Messiah, the Lord. He's, he's, he's born today. And then he says, this will be a sign, or this is what you should look for. You look for a baby, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, that would have been a bit shocking. And for us this morning, we too can sort of be confused. Oh yeah, what, why should I care about a, a baby born 2,000 years ago in some town in the Middle East? Maybe we ask ourselves that question explicitly. And we say, well, yeah, I don't really need a Messiah. It's not really for me. Why should I, why should I care? Other, others of us, maybe we know we should care. We know that, yes, it was important. But maybe we ask this question, so what, through our indifference. To our, through our indifference to Christmas. What I mean is maybe that there are others of us who, if we are honest with ourselves, in our hearts, we were so indifferent to the, the, the Christmas message. We know the stories, we've sung the carols, we've seen the nativity skits. And when we hear this announcement, we read the announcement of the angels, we're like, yeah, okay, cool, that's cool. But it doesn't stir that wonder, that joy, that excitement, that awe in our hearts that the shepherds and others had at that time. And I think the reason why maybe we find ourselves in either of these two positions is because we, we don't necessarily feel a sense of relevance. We, we feel like, yeah, this is good, this is important, but it doesn't, it's not really relevant to me now. Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago, not so much. Easter message, yes, absolutely. Jesus' second coming, yes, but Christmas, maybe not. To illustrate it this way, you guys know that I, I love my sports 
Um, and I've refrained from using sports analogies as much as I can uh, when I'm up here. But I've experienced it in multiple um, occasions throughout my life where I've been telling this person who maybe isn't into, into sport all that much, and I've been telling this exciting thing, oh, this happened in this sport, this, um, this player did this thing and he achieved this record, and they sort of sit there and go, yeah, okay, cool. They don't feel the same sense of excitement and joy that maybe the other person or that I felt. Why? Because for them, news of someone winning a, a car race, nah, not, not all that relevant. News of, of, a, of, a, of a sports team winning a, a rugby league competition, yeah, not really something I'm interested in. We feel a sense of distance from that, so it doesn't stir the same wonder and awe. And I think in a similar way, we can have a similar response to the, the message of Christmas. That this announcement of a baby being born, the Messiah coming, doesn't quite stir the same sort of response. Let me illustrate it with a couple of examples uh, to help us uh, understand a little bit better. Examples or categories of where maybe we're at this morning. Maybe for some of us this morning, we don't feel a need for a savior at all. Maybe we, 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 we say to ourselves, look, yeah, Christmas is nice, but this baby being born in manger, yeah, not really that relevant. I'm a good person. I try to do all the right things. Um, I, I, I come home for Christmas. I spend time with my family. I'm, I'm doing everything I can. That's, that's all I need. I don't really need a savior or this Messiah. This, this message of a Messiah coming feels distant. It feels irrelevant and even unimportant. And maybe to make it, make it even harder, the fact that we're talking about a baby being born is it, makes it even dif- more difficult. If we're talking about a, a great ruler or, or some um, wonderful uh, politician or something coming to, to earth, yeah, okay, but a baby in the manger, no thanks. Or maybe some of us believe that, yeah, we need a savior, but we only really believe that sometimes. Maybe when we're going through difficult times in our lives, when we're feeling sick or we're going, we've lost our job or there's a relational hurt or there's some sort of breakdown. Maybe in those times, yeah, we feel like we need some help. We feel like we might need divine intervention as a way. We might need a Messiah of sorts. But if that's you this morning, the chances are the news of a baby being born still doesn't stir that that same kind of joy. Because what you need is maybe a great doctor or a physician, maybe a mediator who can heal relationships, maybe a genie like God, but a baby in a manger, not so much. Or maybe for some of us, we've been in church all our lives, we've been at Christmas services for as long as we can remember, and we recognize that, you know what, yeah, I, I am a sinful person, I do fall short of God's expectations, And so I therefore do need a savior. But maybe in our hearts, if we examine our hearts functionally, we we, we recognize that we need a savior from the penalty of our sins, but not from sin itself. Maybe we, we, when we examine our hearts, we, we see that we, we want to be shielded from the consequences of our sin, be it here on earth and the, the things that flow from our uh, mistakes or ultimate judgment. We want to be shielded from that, but to be set free from our sin itself, not all that relevant. And again, this morning, if that's us, news of Jesus' birth will not stir that same sort of wonder. Because again, a baby is not what you need. What you need is a a great advocate who can argue away the consequences of your sin. Or maybe you need someone who can be a scapegoat to take it away and so therefore you, you avoid the consequences. But a baby in a manger, once again, no thank you. 
See, the common thread amongst all of these examples is that whilst we feel a varying sense of need for a Messiah, a varying sense of need for God, none of these groups would see a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, as the angel announced, as good news. It's not until you see your need for saving, not just from the penalty of your sins, but from sin itself, that you'll see why a baby in a manger is good news to cause great joy. See, for us today, we have the benefit of perspective. We, we know something that maybe the angels didn't, uh, sorry, the shepherds couldn't quite fully um, understand at that time in that what the coming of the Messiah meant. So what was happening is the angels were announcing the arrival of the Son of God. God himself had become one of us. He had become fully human. He had chosen to incarnate himself, as it were, into the world he created to rescue, to be the Messiah for you and I. Not just from the penalty of our sin, but from sin itself. He came to set us free from slavery and oppression, not to go- from governments necessarily, not from oppressive Roman rulers, but from the slavery, of, slavery to sin. He created a way for us to be united to him in relationship. And so therefore, the coming of Jesus as a baby marks the start of that journey. See, what you and I need is we needed someone to come and live the life that we should have lived. And that starts from birth. We need someone to come and be our representative, to walk the, the, the path that we ought to have walked, to live the life that we should have lived, but we never can. Hebrews chapter 2 puts it so perfectly. This is what it says. It says, since the children, that is you and I, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. For surely it was not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful, faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. See, no doubt the, the shepherds heard the message that they would find a Messiah lying in a manger. And it might have been quite confusing at that time, maybe, maybe not. But we, on the other hand, have the advantage of looking back and seeing the bigger picture. See, there was no fudging in Jesus' humanity. He didn't come and skip all the bad or the, the, the um, humiliating parts. He didn't come as a fully grown man, announce his arrival and say, this is what I'm here to do. He came, almighty God, humbled himself to be a baby, the creator of all the things that we can see, humbled himself to be cradled in the arms of the created, to come and lay himself down to be a baby, the ultimate act of humility and grace, that the Lord of all creation, who was fully God, had not considered equality with God, something that he would hold on to, but rather humbled himself to come to this earth as a human. And, not, and, even, and even that, not even one born of noble birth, not even one born of normal birth, but one of lowly birth, lying in a manger. Why? To live the life that you and I had to live, but we never could. He came to give us freedom. He came to bring us hope. And this announcement that Jesus, that this Messiah was going to be lying in a, in a manger, that stirred wonder and hope because what it does for us today is we know that this Savior is coming not to set us free from an oppressive government or from illnesses or from difficulties, but to ultimately to set us free from our sins. 
Church, make no mistake, he will be a mediator for you. He will be your advocate. He will be the one that shields you from the consequences of your sin. He will be your friend when you have no friends. Absolutely. But it's so much more. Jesus came to, to, to live the life we should have done. And that gives us the hope we need. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, he summarizes it so well. He says, the Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope for pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. It is the most wonderful message that the world has ever heard or will hear. Church, that is what stirs wonder that this Messiah is not just the Messiah for, for the Jews to be free from Roman rule, but it's the Messiah for us to be free from slavery to our sin. And Christmas, the birth of Christ in the manger, marks the start of that. And that ought to be what stirs our wonder and our joy. And so as we come to our third and final point, maybe for the band want to jump up, the question is now, so what? What, what are you going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? This wondrous invitation. See, for the Jewish people, they expected a Messiah. They expected someone to come and rescue them. But the key focus was them. They expected to be rescued as a nation. They expected this Messiah to come for them. But yet the angel says in his announcement, he says, uh, he will bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. You and me. It's a church this morning that the invitation is open. The wonderful invitation is there. How will you respond? Because when, when Jesus came, he, he came not just for one ethnic group. The, the hope of Christmas, the hope that Christmas um, affords to us is not just for one ethnic group, not just for the Jewish people, but it's a wonderful invitation to us all, for old and young, for, for men and for women for those who are wealthy and those who are not so well off, for those who have been in church all of their lives and heard so many Christmas messages to those who are in church today for the first time, to those who are beacons of calm and peace and those who struggle with anger, to those who have been sexually pure all their lives and those who continually fall into immorality. Jesus came to offer hope for those who are in happy marriages and those whose marriages are on the rocks. He came to, 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 for those who are strong in their faith, but those who feel like they've backslidden, that they've gone cold, that they've walked away for whatever reason. Church, how will you respond? In our passage this morning, the shepherds, when they see and hear this news and they see the angels, their response was to say, let's go to Bethlehem. And let's see this thing that has happened. Let's go and see what the Lord had told us about. What's your response going to be? Will it be to hear this, this, this message of hope and of salvation that the Messiah has come? Will you hear that and then go back to tending your flocks like you have before you came? Or will you allow God to stir your heart? Would you pray that God would stir your heart to come and behold the Messiah? To come and see what these angels proclaimed about this baby that came. God who came as a baby, as a child, and lay in a manger. Will you come and behold and cherish and meditate upon and be filled with awe and wonder about this amazing news or will you go back to tending your fox? How will you respond? 
church this, this morning, I, I don't know if I was going to say it, but this whole week I've just felt like there are some people this morning that maybe Christmas, maybe faith, we've just fallen a little bit cold. Maybe we've said, yeah, I, I believe, but, but this message of the coming Messiah hasn't stirred that same wonder. And church this morning, this is, this is the plea of the Christmas message that Jesus loved you so much that he came down, that he emptied himself of all his glory, that he emptied himself and came and lay in a manger. Why? Because he loved you, because he saw your need, because he saw your heart. And he wanted to to be united to you. So he came and he, he, he left the glories of heaven to be lying in a manger. Church, I want to plead with you this morning. Don't let your hearts grow cold. Don't let you hear this message or any message this Christmas season and let it wash over you like nothing matters. Consider and behold the the beauty of what Christ has done, that this announcement, this Messiah, the Lord that was born in the town of Bethlehem, it marks the start of the redemption story of Jesus on this earth, which ultimately ends at Easter, where He came to die and take your place and my place and pay the penalty for our sin. Church, this is the wonderful message of Christmas. And I want to invite you, church, to bow your heads and just to bring your hearts before God, to open it up and to to plead with God to fill your heart with the same wonder, with the same joy, with the same awe that the shepherds and those around them had in our passage. Plead with God, plead that by His Spirit He would soften your heart to not let this Christmas be like another Christmas. That you would come and behold the beauty of the manger, the beauty of the incarnation, the beauty of Christmas and be filled with awe and wonder. Because the good news this morning is that Jesus came wrapped not in robes, but in swaddling cloth, not in a king, uh, king's palace, but in a manger. And He's the exact Messiah that you need. Why don't you take a moment just to, to bring your heart before God, to, to open it up, to pray, and then I'll close us off this morning. you for this amazing message. Father God, we want to come and start in repentance, Lord. We're sorry for the times that Lord, we've not had this same joy. We've not had a sense of wonder, a sense of awe. We're so caught up maybe in the busyness or in other things in life at this time that, that this news does not stir great joy. Father, we pray, we plead with you, would you by your Spirit soften our hearts to hear this message, to, to not let this be another Christmas, to not let this be another day, but you would soften our hearts to hear and to behold and to cherish and to be filled with awe and wonder. Father, I pray that us as your people would, would leave this place and go into our weeks and into the season being people that are so excited, not because of Christmas gifts, not because of lunches or holidays or seeing family, but because we know that Christmas is about the wonder of Jesus being born, coming as our Savior, the Messiah we need. Father, I pray against any kind of indifference in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would stir that wonder, that joy, that awe again. 
Father, strip away any distraction, strip away any sort of um, thought in our heart that we don't care or we don't need. Father, I pray you'd show us your need, our need each and every day. Father, I pray by your Spirit that you'd soften our hearts. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were obedient to the Father. You came, you emptied yourself, you left behind the glories of heaven and exchanged them for a manger. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to come and behold, like the shepherds, to go and see. And not just to see the manger, but to follow the thread all the way to the cross. And on the cross, we'll see the ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate uh, end or, or, or climax of the story where you came and laid your life down to save us. Lord, there's coming a time again where you won't come as a baby. You will come as a victorious king and you will take your people home to live with you forever. And Lord, we're excited for that day. But Lord, until that day comes, help us to cherish the wonder of your redemptive act that started at Christmas. Father, we pray that you'd stir our hearts and fill our hearts this way. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.